I just put out a new episode of Love and Abuse called When You Want Them to Hurt. I talk about when the emotionally abusive behavior stops, you might have a lot of repressed emotions that want to come out and make them feel what they put you through all that time. If this sounds like something you can relate to, head over to loveandabuse.com. Life presents the toughest challenges. Every day you are faced with decisions that test your ability to express who you really want to be in this world. We're told to keep saying affirmations and keep thinking positively, but what do you do when that stuff doesn't work? Welcome to the Overwhelmed Brain, where you'll learn to make decisions that are right for you so that you can create the life you want now. Welcome to the show. My name is Paul Coliani, and I am here to help you increase your emotional intelligence, handle toxic situations with grace and ease, and give you the tools to show up as your authentic self. This show consists of my personal opinions and is meant for informational purposes only. All right, I'm going to get right into this first message that I received. It's regarding something I've not talked about. Well, I did talk about this once, but uh, I'm going to get right into this and I'll tell you what I talked about, uh, if that makes sense. (laughs) Hi, Paul. Your work has been immensely helpful. Thank you. You're welcome. About a year ago, my in-laws made the most disparaging and cruel statements about my child, their grandchild. It was so damaging and hurtful that I divorced myself from that side of the family. They've said many things that I put aside. I was always thinking that they were simply better than me. I had a lot less self-esteem back when this was happening. But when they made a specific disparaging comment, it brought back all the painful things that they have said over the years under the facade of caring. The matriarch and the patriarch of that side of the family speaks for all of them and reflects their views. So I'm estranged from the whole bunch. I've never felt freer or better about myself. Their years of unsolicited parenting advice and judgment are finally over. And I realize now that I'm allowed to dictate my parenting and most things I did in life. What I would love for you to address, if you haven't already, is the, quote, joy of estrangement. Most podcasts want to address fixing family relationships. I want to hear someone talk about how great it is once you finally divorce yourself from toxic family members, even though they claim to love you. If that's possible, can you talk about rebuilding after estrangement and letting go of the judgment of others who feel the need to insist on telling you to rebuild those relationships? I have no interest and I have never been freer emotionally. I'm looking for a non-judgmental episode targeted to people who broke free of elitist people and are happy about it. Thanks. Well, thank you for writing that. And this is, uh, like I said, a topic that I have talked about before. And I think I called it dealing with mean family or something like that. In fact, let me pull it up. I actually have a few episodes and one article. One's called Dealing with Mean Family. This is all at theoverwhelmedbrain.com. One is called Friends and Family that Try to Be Helpful but Really Aren't. That may not be exactly what you're talking about. Um, Dealing with Selfish People that Don't Care if They Hurt You. There's another episode. And then an article I wrote, Is It Ever Okay to Release Toxic Family? I'm going to answer that article's headline, Yes. Yes, it is. It is okay. In fact, I encourage it when they're toxic. I encourage it when they don't want to work things out or they have power over you or control over you and is not a pleasant thing for you. So let me just say that right off. Yes, I have talked about this before. And yes, I would like to bring it up again in uh, the way you are asking here because You said there is a joy in estrangement. That is absolutely true. (laughs) There is a joy in estrangement. And in fact, when you release a toxic family member, I look at it as getting away from radioactive material. This is a radioactive relationship and you are receiving relationship radiation. So when you receive this radiation from a toxic person, you will get burned. I wrote an article a while back. In fact, it might be 
the dealing with me and family article, I forget, but somebody commented and said, uh, you know what? Blood is thicker than anything and you should always keep family and you should always work things out even when it's tough. You just can't let go of family. Family always comes first. I forget exactly what I wrote, but I know what I would write now if I were to answer to what this person said. I would write, what if that person beat you on a daily basis? What if that person has sexually abused you? What if that person is so toxic that your life is miserable having them in your life? It's easy to say that, you know, if you're related by blood that you should always take care of family and allow them to be in your life until you have that family member that's impossible to be around because they are making you suffer in some way. And I'm here to say, just like this person, there is a joy in estrangement. There is a joy in being away from certain people. And maybe I'm the wrong person to ask because my stepfather is the most toxic person in my family and being away from him has heightened my happiness 100 times. I mean, he is not in my life at all. I live a thousand miles away from him. Uh, Even if I lived close to him, even if I was in the same city and I happened to see him, you know, I would be probably polite. But if he ever asked me to do anything for him or he needed a favor, nope, not going to get intertwined or enmeshed or entangled in his life. I call him a vortex of misery. Anyone that he is connected to, he will bleed them dry of their happiness. I may sound like I'm exaggerating, and I may sound like I'm being really hard on someone, but there are certain people that if you don't get them out of your life, you will be miserable. And I have decided that uh, life is too short to be miserable. Life is too short not to seek good relationships and get rid of the bad relationships. Life is precious and beautiful and we don't want to poison it with someone who makes it ugly. And that's what I did. I released this person from my life and then the last time I saw him, I denied him from entering, it was my mom's home at the time. That was the last time I saw him and I said, I'm sorry, you can't come in. And um, I told this story before, but that scared the hell out of me. I was so afraid to deny this person entry into what was once his home with my mom. And uh, he came back a few months later after they separated and he showed up at her front door and I answered it. And I had never stood up to him before. And uh, I hated carrying around that fear. I hated it. I didn't want to carry around a fear of someone shorter than me, much older than me, much weaker than me, and toxic as heck. I did not want to carry that fear around. And when he showed up, I decided that I was going to practice what I preach and honor my boundaries and answer the question, what would I do or say if I had absolutely no fear of the consequences? And I said it. And I just waited for him to punch me in the face because I expected it. He's never hit me before, but I just waited for it because I didn't know what to expect. I was afraid of the consequences before, so I never stood up for myself. And at that moment, I decided I was going to face the consequences and just make it happen. You know what? Let's just get through this moment. I don't care what the consequences are. I'm not going to fear the consequences this time. I'm going to say what's on my mind. And I did. I said, I'm sorry. You're not welcome here. And uh, he shrugged his shoulders, said, okay, and then left. And (laughs) that shocked me. I I thought for sure there was going to be an altercation, but there wasn't. And from that moment, something left me. (laughs) Something left my body. Something lifted out of me. It was something I'd been holding on to all my life. What that was, was fear. And that fear held me down and held me back from realizing my worth, my happiness, my fullness, my wholeness, my sense of satisfaction of life in general. I'm not saying 100%, but a lot of it lifted 
in that moment because I passed the challenge. I made it happen. I finally got rid of a toxic person in my life. He was one of the few, if not the only toxic person in my life, and I finally decided to stand up to him. It only took uh, 41 years, <laughs> 42 or something like that. It only took that long. But I didn't know what I didn't know back then. I didn't have the resources or the tools, and I didn't want to risk anything. I think we go through life not risking enough. I don't want to cause any waves. I don't want to rock the boat, so I won't make that person upset. So I'll just stay unhappy because I don't want to cause any waves. Really, what we're saying is I'm afraid of the consequences of causing those waves. I'm afraid of the consequences of saying what I really want to say, so I won't say it. And therefore, they will go through life doing whatever they want to do, even if they're doing it to me, and I will basically enable it. That's what I felt. I felt like his bad behavior, the behavior that I didn't like about him, the behavior that was very toxic for me and everyone that got into his life, because I don't know anyone that has gotten into his life that didn't say something like, I can't be around this guy. So there's this person out there that I share with you on the podcast (laughs) every now and then, my stepfather, that is very poisonous. And it sucks, too, because he's got such a nice personality when he's not poisonous. But he's an emotional abuser. He's a physical abuser. He's a sexual abuser. He is all kinds of things. And his value on this earth is is very little. And I I say this not because I'm playing victim or putting him down or or making you hate him. I'm, I'm not doing that at all. I'm doing it from a personal place inside of me just to iterate how comfortable I am letting go of someone so toxic. And it was very difficult, and it still is very difficult, to get to this place. There's still that little feeling inside of me that says, I shouldn't say these things about him. I mean, I'm not going to identify him and tell you who he is, but there's a feeling inside of me like I should have more compassion. I should show up as Uh, the Dalai Lama and have compassion for the most heinous individuals. And I don't play that. (laughs) I don't play that way. I give compassion to almost anyone until they prove themselves to be toxic. And toxic means different things to different people. But I look at toxicity as someone who takes advantage of you, doesn't care about you, or says they care about you, then does mean things to make you feel bad, um, does things very selfishly without regard for anyone else, and um, the world must revolve around them. Sometimes that's a narcissist. Sometimes it's not a narcissist, and it's just somebody who doesn't really care about anyone but himself. You know, full selfishness. Then they do behavior to not only you, but to your loved ones. Like, I've seen this person do terrible things, and I don't want to make this whole show about him, but the point is I'm conveying all of this from a place inside of me that has accepted fully that a toxic person doesn't have to be in my life, and it's okay to keep them at bay. It's okay to keep them away. It's okay every day. (laughs) had to finish that rhyme, but the point is, I'm sharing this with you and the person who wrote that, yes, there is a joy in estrangement. And um, I feel very good knowing that this person is no longer in my life anymore. And that is part one of what I'm talking about here is that um, I'm okay with it. And I would feel probably different if he hadn't done certain things to certain people that I care about. But since he did those things... He doesn't deserve my love or my friendship or anything like that. So I'm going to go the rest of my life waiting for, uh, how can I say this? (laughs) Waiting for life to take its course. And he will eventually pass on. And what's really strange is that I will still be sad. It will still upset me. I will still feel pain. Because I loved him at one time. I loved him like a father. 
And when you have a connection like that uh, most of your life and then you try to sever that connection, sometimes the love stays or at least feelings that you used to have, they still linger. And I want you to be okay with that if that's something you're dealing with. I want you to be okay that you can still love people from afar. You can still have feelings for toxic people because there is still something that might shine inside them very, very dimly (laughs) that says, hey, I'm still a human being on this earth doing the best I can uh, with the resources I have and trying to live life in the way I believe I need to live it. So I certainly have compassion at the level that we all are trying to do the best we can. We, We all are. And some people may disagree with that. No, that's impossible because this other person is so mean to me. They're still doing the best they can because that is the best they can do. Their meanness toward you is the best they can do. So yes, I do believe that we're all doing the best that we can do. We've lived our lives. We've learned what we've learned. We carry our traumas with us, our coping mechanisms with us. And sometimes we heal from our traumas and develop better coping mechanisms and then we show up in the world in a different way and then sometimes we don't and sometimes we're hurtful and really all this comes down to is is the person hurting you or is the person a drain to you in some way now there could be a couple ways to handle this if they're hurting you or they're a drain to you there may be a boundaries issue where you need to say look you need to stop doing this you need to stop If you don't stop, then I'm never going to talk to you again because I don't want to be hurt and you are hurting me. Or I don't want to talk about this and you keep bringing it up, so I'm done. You might just have to be confident in yourself and say something like that or show them the hand and say, no, no more. You may have to do that. And when you do that, it may sever the relationship forever. But this is what I call giving them an opportunity to show up in a healthy way. They have an opportunity to show up in a healthy way when you say, this is it, I've had enough, you need to stop doing this. They have that opportunity. Now, I didn't give my stepfather this opportunity to go back to me. (laughs) I'm going to go back to me and tell you my story. I didn't give my stepfather that opportunity. I didn't want to say, hey, if you show up in a different way, then maybe we can get along better or maybe um, we can reconnect and reconcile our differences and get along again. I didn't give him that opportunity because he's done things that I won't forgive him for. If you've ever heard me talk about forgiveness, I don't think forgiveness is necessary. I mean, if you want, (laughs) you can, but I don't think it's necessary. Forgiveness is all about forgiving yourself, forgiving yourself a break for how you showed up that day or that week or that year, or forgiving yourself leniency Because sometimes we make decisions that maybe we thought we should have made other decisions. We have regret or remorse because of something somebody else did to us. That happens. We are in a bad situation. Somebody did something to us. It makes us angry. And you don't want to forgive them. It's just so bad. Some big betrayal of trust or some awful thing. They hurt you or hurt somebody you love. If it's that bad and you just can't get on board with forgiveness for them, you don't have to. But often what happens is we carry around some feeling toward ourselves for getting into that situation in the first place. Even if we're a kid, when we were children, we might have something that uh, happened to us that we believe we should forgive the other person for, but we might feel shame, we might feel guilt about putting ourselves in that situation in the first place or getting ourselves in that situation. Even if we logically say, well, I was a kid. I didn't know. I was being coerced. It doesn't matter. You have to make sure that you don't have any feelings about yourself, toward yourself, that you can't get past, which is why I look at forgiveness as forgiving yourself a break for the decisions you made, for how you showed up that day, for what you said, for what you did. Forgive yourself because that's where forgiveness needs to go, toward yourself so that you can release it and let go of whatever happened. So you move past that by forgiving yourself, by letting that stuff go, by addressing any mistakes that you thought you made or forgiving yourself for putting yourself in a bad situation or the decisions that you made, whatever it is, 
forgive yourself so you can move on. And that's what I look at in my own childhood and growing up. I forgive myself for not standing up for myself, my mom, my sister. I never stood up and said, this needs to stop. Or I never stood up and pushed him back. I never did any of that. So those feelings that I should have done something needed to be forgiven in myself from me. I needed to forgive myself. And I think I've done that. I think I've gone through that process. But I do feel pretty darn good about how I feel about myself now. And that's what I'm saying to you is that you need to get to a point where the people in your life, how they showed up, if you don't want to forgive them, you don't have to. But you do want to make sure that you don't have any lingering feelings about how you showed up, about the decisions you made. And if you do and you don't feel good about it, forgive yourself a break and move on because you don't need to hold on to that anymore. In fact, I'm glad forgiveness came up. Um, I brought it up, but I'm glad it came up because forgiveness is a way to cut the tether. My girlfriend sees them as these energetic ties. I call them tethers. They're like these tethers that we have to people and places and things in our life that uh, if we have a negative feeling about this person, place, or thing, if we haven't cut the tether yet, we carry that negative feeling forward and it weighs us down and it, it affects our decisions and it affects our happiness. So we carry these energetic ties or tethers to people that um, when we're able to cut them, for example, through self-forgiveness, hey, I forgive myself for how I showed up when I was growing up with my stepfather, and I forgive myself for not making better decisions about my mom, and I go through the self-forgiveness process, cutting these tethers, I don't have to think about it anymore, I don't have to hold on to it anymore, and I feel lighter, I feel freer, just like that day when my stepfather showed up at the door and I honored myself and I said what I wanted to say, something came out of my body. Something lifted. I felt better. And then from that moment on, I realized it's better to take the risk for a chance at feeling better and freer and lighter than to continue holding on and allowing someone toxic to continue to occupy my life and the people I love. I'm not saying you have to take a risk. You don't want to take risks with dangerous people. You may not want to take a risk with somebody who can easily hurt you, like physically hurt you. But um, there are times when we don't take risks when maybe we should. Maybe we should take a risk. And I've learned that the more risks I take, the happier I get. That doesn't mean it's going to work out for you. It doesn't mean it's going to work out for anyone. But there's a point where you might get to where holding on to the negativity affects you so much that you just get sick of it. You don't want to deal with it anymore. You don't want to think about it anymore. You don't want to think about that person anymore. You finally want to get them out of your life once and for all. Even if they haven't been in your life for 20 years, you just want to cut the tie. You want to cut the energetic tether and move forward finally and move forward without feeling like you're walking through mud. Every time I thought of this guy, my stepfather, I, I felt like I was walking through mud. Like, oh, I'm going to go up and visit my family and he's going to show up. Oh, so I have this thought that this person's going to show up and guess where my mind goes? It goes into the cesspool. And so I have all these crappy thoughts going through my mind, thinking of how lousy my vacation is going to be. Uh, and trying to find the positive aspects, trying to do positive thinking and seeing that the glass is half full, that I'm going to see my family. But then my mind goes back to, oh, but he's going to show up. And my mind used to do that all the time because I never was able to find closure, which meant taking a risk and standing up and saying what I really felt. I'm sorry you're not welcome here. That's how I really felt, and that's what I said, and I just decided to take the real punch or the proverbial punch, whatever came with it, because I was done. I was done dragging that emotional baggage around, and that was healing. If you want to learn how to heal something, you face what you fear head on. Oh, I don't want to say that to that person. Well, if you said it, you might heal. 
again, I'm not telling you to do this. I'm not saying that everything's going to work out and be rainbows and unicorns. I'm not going to say that at all. I'm saying that it is risky and I've decided to take risks. I've decided that my integrity, my character, my stability, my happiness, my level of fulfillment in life has everything to do with what I want to do but don't. Uh, did that come out right? <laughs> it's everything to do with the stuff I've always wanted to say, with the stuff that I've always wanted to do, and have chosen not to because of fear. And when I've chosen to instead do what I have feared and face the consequences, uh, my life always turns out better. So stick around. In the next segment, I'm going to finish this email and give you my final words regarding her situation. Be right back after this. a great sponsor for today's episode. It's BetterHelp. If you listen to the show regularly, you've probably heard me talk about BetterHelp. They are one of the most relevant sponsors of this show because they offer something that uh, goes beyond just listening to a podcast about your mental health and well-being. They go beyond by giving you one-on-one, -on -one fully licensed professional counseling and when you need to go beyond and talk one-on-one -on -one with somebody, BetterHelp is a great way to do it. They are a customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with a therapist. So you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. They can help you deal with depression, relationships, anxiety, stress, sleeping, and trauma, and anger, and LGBT matters. Whatever you're going through, whatever you need help with, that uh, you just can't seem to handle on your own. You know, I'm all about the self-help route when it works. I have a show that helps you help yourself, but sometimes you need more. You need somebody to hold your hand. You need guidance. And that's why I like to endorse and promote BetterHelp because they are an affordable service, more affordable than in-person therapy. And as soon as you sign up, you can start communicating with a therapist in under 48 hours. Unload the stressors and get some unbiased feedback. You might be surprised what you gain from it. And as an Overwhelmed Brain listener, you get 10% off the first month if you go to betterhelp.com forward slash brain. It's two words, better, B-E-T-T-E-R, and help, H-E-L-P, dot com forward slash brain. Get 10% off BetterHelp online therapy by going to betterhelp.com forward slash brain. And another sponsor of this show that I'm so excited to share with you because we all need time off. I want you to check out FunJet. I mean, are we having fun yet? <laughs> FunJet helps you get there. They believe that travel is not just a ticket to a destination. It's a gateway to an experience with the people that matter most. And one of the things I love about listening to sponsors on podcasts this is my own preference, but I think you might like it too, is that every time you hear a sponsor on a podcast, there's usually some deal. <laughs> there's usually some deal associated with it. And FunJet is no different. They are offering $75 off your next FunJet vacation to Ryu Hotels and Resorts. That's what I want to do. I'm looking at these chairs that are in the pool that you could just sit in the pool. I mean, wow, I want to be there. I want to have my pina colada. I'm sure that you probably need this too. Go to funjet.com between October 15th and December of 2021 and make sure to use the promo code FUNJET75. That's the word FUNJET and the number 75 when you're checking out so that you can get the deal whether it's a family-friendly resort or an adults-only getaway. Check out their destinations like the Caribbean, Mexico, Central America, and other amazing destinations that just look so relaxing. Funjet.com. Use the code FUNJET75 and get $75 off your next Funjet vacation to Ryu Hotels and Resorts. Welcome back. Let me get back to this person who wrote. She was asking me to address the joy of estrangement. If I haven't conveyed that enough yet, this is my conveyance of that message. Yes, 
Some people are so toxic that you need to be away from them. And yes, you can feel love toward them from afar. And yes, you don't even have to see them ever again and still hope they live a long and happy and successful and fulfilling life if you want or not. Because you have lovingly released them from your life. Because that can happen. Sometimes we are the person that keeps these people in our life. We think that they keep bothering us, but really sometimes we enable their presence in our life and we have to be very careful about that. Just like I used to enable this person, my stepfather's presence in my life, and that doesn't happen anymore. He doesn't appear. He doesn't write to me. He doesn't call me. He used to do all those things and he just disappeared and I'm okay with it because I don't have to deal with that anymore. It was very toxic and at the same time, very hard. I say this because my heart hurts that he was just awful and I considered him a father figure at one time and now he can't be that for me. And this addresses something else that she wrote. Can you talk about rebuilding after estrangement? And yes, the thing you need to remember is that a person in your life the way they show up represents something to you. The way my stepfather showed up represented a father figure to me. I had been estranged from my real father, and I probably shouldn't have been for so long, but I was estranged from him for about 10 years until I rekindled that relationship uh, shortly before he died, which I'm glad I did. But this other person, my stepfather, he was a father figure to me in many ways. So here I am choosing to cut ties with someone I considered a father. And now there's a missing piece in my life. There's a hole in my life that I have to fill. What am I going to do? Find another father? It's possible. I could find another father figure. I could find another mentor. I could find someone who looks at me and says, I'm so proud of you. Um, That might be a difficult role to fill. So what I ended up doing is learning how to parent myself as if I were my own father. I mean, this is basic psychology 101. The inner child needs parenting. The inner child needs role models, needs someone to lift them up when they're down, needs someone to make sure that their needs are filled. I mean, for the most part, if you don't need it, you'll know it. But there was something missing in my life, that father figure. So... I had to show up as my own dad. I had to say, hey, Paul, good job. You did great. You know, I'm really proud of you. I've had to do that from a motherly figure, too, because my mom showed up in many ways. I love her. She's wonderful. But she didn't have enough tools back then either because she was busy trying to keep my stepfather from hurting the kids. So we had to experience some loss of love and connection from our mom growing up as well. So... I had to be motherly toward myself. I had to nurture myself. I had to be loving and caring toward myself. I had to take care of myself as a healthy, loving mom would or should. (laughs) And like I said, she's a wonderful mom. I don't fault her for anything. She had to go through what she had to go through, and she did her best, but she never had an intention to take advantage of me, manipulate me, hurt me, or any of that stuff that uh, my stepfather did. So with my mom, absolutely wonderful person, she still couldn't show up in some ways that I needed. Just like someone in your life probably can't show up in some ways that you need. So self-parenting, self-care, self-compassion, self-love, all that self-stuff is very helpful. And it all has to do with, uh, I believe a lot of it has to do with the ego. When I started nurturing my ego in a healthy way, feeling good about being proud of something and showing off in my new car and showing people my skills if I had good technical skills in something and turning in that report three days early or showing someone a spreadsheet that I made, I started taking pride in a lot of the things I was doing and that helped me build and nurture an ego that uh, was probably not very strong when I started. And I know it wasn't. It wasn't very strong. But all those self-nurturing and self-caring things do nurture your ego and you can build your ego in a healthy way so that you feel good about yourself. 
because the ego is about I, it's about me, meaning you, and when you care about yourself, that I or you gets filled. It starts to build. And as you care about yourself more and more and compliment yourself and take care of yourself and you feel proud of yourself and proud of your accomplishments, suddenly your self-parenting, which is good for your ego, which is good for your self-worth and your self-esteem and makes you feel lovable and valuable. That's how you rebuild after estrangement. And that's how I answer this person. And I'm going to answer really quick the other uh, questions she has. Uh, Letting go of the judgments of others who feel the need to insist on telling you to rebuild those relationships. How about just saying, nope, I'm glad I did it. (laughs) How about just not even worrying about their judgments? You should rebuild that relationship. You know, that's your so-and-so. How about, no, I'm glad I did it. I feel really good. Own it. Feel good about what you did. And then they'll scratch their head and they'll think, God, you're just crazy or you're just uh, dysfunctional. doesn't matter. Just own it. I feel so good. They were toxic and I am very happy that they are not in my life anymore. They're toxic. Yeah, but you should rebuild the relationship. How about I don't? Because I'm done. I'm done with their belittling, their disparaging, they're manipulating, they're lying. I'm done with it all and I'm happy. So what you want me to do is rebuild a relationship with someone that makes me unhappy. Is that what you're asking? (laughs) Well, no, maybe you can work things out. I tried, didn't work, and now I'm happy. So why would I want to introduce another element that will very likely, in fact, I know 100% will make me unhappy when I feel really good right now about how things are. I feel good. So why change that? That's my answer about um, letting go of the judgment of others who feel the need to insist on telling you to rebuild those relationships. Just say, nope, I feel good. Just like I'm sharing in this episode, I feel good that I let go of that relationship. So I'm not going to do it. So we don't have to talk about it anymore. It doesn't matter. Yeah, but yeah, but that's all right. You can... Try to figure it out yourself. You know, you go rebuild a relationship with them. You talk to them. That may be something that you do and you want to keep certain people in your life. If they're toxic, maybe you are okay with that. But I'm not okay with toxic people in my life. And that's just how it is. And I feel really good about it. Someone who cares about you is going to respect that. Someone who loves you is going to love that you're honoring yourself and keeping toxic people out of your life. So that's what I have to say about that. And the last thing she said, um, I have no interest of rebuilding those relationships and I've never been freer emotionally. All right, so there you go. I've never been freer emotionally. That's a great answer. Are you kidding me? I've never felt better. (laughs) That's my answer. Wait a minute. You want me to rebuild this relationship where I felt crappy all the time? I felt like I was worthless? I don't think I want to rebuild that relationship. In fact, would you? Would you try to rebuild a relationship with somebody who made you feel like that all the time? They might say, well, of course, you know, they're family. If they say that, then you say, well, all right, I guess we have a difference of opinion. I'm not going to rebuild something that I know is toxic to me because I feel so good. Own the good. Own the feeling that you feel. Own the freedom. Because when you own the freedom of how good you feel, that's what gets conveyed. Don't even bother about trying to defend yourself or defend your decisions. Own the good feelings. Because when you own the good feelings, that's what you talk about. No, I feel great. This is where I want to be. And then uh, the last thing she said, I'm looking for a non-judgmental episode targeted to people who broke free of elitist people and are happy about it. You just found it. This is it. (laughs) Plus the other ones I was talking about at theoverwhelmedbrain.com. Thanks so much for writing, and thanks for joining me for another episode of The Overwhelmed Brain. When we come back, I'm going to give you my thank yous and my goodbyes, and um, let me see, I might read a short email for the outro part. Hope you can join me. Be right back after this.
Thank you for listening to another episode of The Overwhelmed Brain. I want to thank BetterHelp. Go to betterhelp.com forward slash brain. Get 10% off your first month of one-on-one therapy. You don't have to drive there. Just go online or chat on the phone or chat through text. Totally up to you. And then before or after your therapy, check out FunJet. Go to funjet.com. Use the promo code FUNJET75 and get $75 off. And I want to thank the financial backers, the patrons of the week. These are Maud, Allison, Elaine, Brian, Kim. Ward donates every month. Donald's a contributor every month. Deborah, Stephen, one of the long-termers. Really good to see everyone here. Anna, Julie, and Daisy. Wonderful people. Wonderful supporters. Thank you for your support. And the newest patron, Jacqueline. Yes, I saw you come in, Jacqueline. Thank you so much for your support. I appreciate you. I appreciate everyone that contribute to the show and my heart is warm thank you so much and these are what i call the patrons of the week they show their support financially by going to moretob.com if you find value in this show and you want to support financially you can do so as well over at moretob.com no i'm not driving a ferrari (laughs) i don't make loads of cash off of this the podcast is definitely a labor of love for you I hope that doesn't sound corny, but it is. I've been doing it for eight years and people have reached out to me and asked me, how do I give back? And that's why I created more TOB. And you'll find some extra episodes over there that I've never aired, like almost a hundred and some videos and some workbooks and worksheets and some discounts. So that's all at moretob.com. And if you are in a position to do that, I would be forever grateful. But I'm wondering if anybody ever hears this and goes, "Ah, he probably makes a lot of money from that. No, it's not true. (laughs) It's not true. I'm just grateful for those of you that can and do give. But Paul, you have sponsors. They pay you. Well, yeah, that's true. They are a big help as well. But every penny goes back into the show. Every penny goes back into what I can do for you. And of course, yes, I benefit too. But I do my best to give back as much as possible. That's why I have this show. That's why I have my other show, Love and Abuse. If you go to loveandabuse.com, that is for helping you navigate difficult relationships. If you're not sure if you're in an emotionally abusive relationship, that podcast is going to help you determine that. And it can be a lifesaver. I've had people write to me and say, this has saved my life. So I don't know if that's going to be the same result for everyone, but I know that a lot of people have gotten value from that as well. Uh, And that's over at loveandabuse.com. So I just wanted to mention that just in case you're in any type of relationship that uh, just seems too difficult. Most relationships shouldn't be difficult. They're not all easy, but they shouldn't be that hard. We should be able to relate to each other and get along. And when we can't get along, at least talk things out and have a conversation. And we might have to agree to disagree or we might have to move on. So there are many ways to approach it and many things I share over on that podcast, Love and Abuse. So uh, if that's where you are and you need that, it's available. And finally, I'd like to thank Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com for some of the music transitions in the overwhelmed brain. And for my final words, I'm going to read this email to you. It's uh, an interesting one. It's about sex. (laughs) I emphasize sex because I don't talk about sex on this show. Well, every now and then it'll come up. So I want to read this to you and uh, see what I can um, help this person with if I can. They say, hello, Paul. I've been listening to your show for the past year and wanted to reach out to you. I wasn't sure if you've touched on this or not, um, but it's been bothering me for the entirety of my marriage. I met my husband when I was young and he was much older than me. He's wonderful in every way, except we don't see eye to eye when it comes to being adventurous in the bedroom. When we first met, I was new to relationships and love. I didn't know how to communicate clearly what we wanted out of the relationship. My husband thought he had met this wild young woman, me, who wanted to be adventurous and try new things with other people and explore sexually. Meanwhile, I was hoping to settle down and have a tame romance with an older man who was ready to settle down. I feel like he is constantly trying to get me excited about things that I have absolutely no interest in. He has expressed an interest in having sex with other people together, and at first I attempted to go along with it, but it ended up costing me a lot of emotional damage and trust. He has cheated on me once before, but we have since patched up our relationship, and I have forgiven him. He has tried to talk me into watching porn, and he's bought sex toys to make me feel incredibly uncomfortable and awkward in the bedroom. 
I already know there are people listening right now that are probably relating to this, so let me finish it up here. He makes up these wild fantasies involving me with other men, and it makes me feel sick to my stomach. I don't want to do any of it. I'm afraid he will resent me for it or start cheating on me again. I know he loves me very much, but I think he is disappointed that I turned out to be so lame in the bedroom. I would much prefer a steaming cup of tea and a good book over wild sex any day. And I feel so alienated for not coveting sex the way he seems to. He is persistent that he wants to try more things, and I'm finding my voice and pushing back, telling him no more often. Is there any way a sexaholic husband and a sexless wife can keep their relationship strong without compromising too much of each other's comfort for the sake of keeping the marriage together. All right, thank you for sharing this very tough situation. It's very tough because you can be compatible in almost every way except the bedroom. The challenge is uh, sexual compatibility and from what you're describing, you don't have it. And there's a big problem here. There's a big problem that needs to be rectified. And I don't know if there's a solution that will keep you both monogamous and happy. I don't know if there is. I mean, I don't always have good news. This may not be good news. Because if you really do love each other and one person wants to have all this sexual fulfillment and the other person would rather have a cup of tea it's complete incompatibility and because of that it will always be a problem I say that knowing I could be wrong but hear me out it will always be a problem always it will always be on your mind it will always be in the back of your mind it will always be in almost every thought it'll be in your mind before you go to the bedroom it'll be in your mind when you wake up and you think well I have all day before we go back to bed tonight but I hope he doesn't do XYZ or I hope he doesn't ask XYZ so unfortunately this will always be a problem if you both want to stay monogamous because it's just not going to end well he's already told you He's more sexually active, more sexually, quote, adventurous is the word you used. He probably wants a lot of variety. And yes, he loves you. But I think the bad news is you're both going to be miserable. I hate to say that to you because if it's a great relationship, maybe you can work something out. But I don't see it. I I think sexual compatibility should be right up there with personal compatibility in other ways. Your personality, uh, maybe you like a lot of the same things. You don't always have to like everything they like, but you know what I mean. When you're compatible, you get along in all the areas, or at least most of the areas. In the areas that you don't, you go off and do your own thing. One person likes rap, one person likes country music. They go listen by themselves, and then when they're done, they come back and they're compatible again. They're happy together. And it works out. But sex is something you share. Sex is something you do together. Sex has to be near the top of the list of compatibility. Some people may disagree with that. But I think when you have a romantic relationship, if you are completely incompatible or mostly incompatible in sex, then you're going to have a huge issue in the relationship that will likely cause it to disintegrate. Now, that's if you stay monogamous. Where are you going with this, Paul? <laughs> Where am I going? I'm, I'm saying that some couples explore other definitions of marriage. I have a friend. Um, you may have heard me talk about him before. His name is Matthew, and he's open about it, and he talks about his open marriage. He has an open marriage. He sees other people. She sees other people. They don't really talk about it. And then they come home and they are happy with each other. They have sex with each other and they are raising a kid together. And to them, it's perfectly normal. To me, it's not. 
<laughs> to me, I couldn't do it. I, I have one partner and that's all I want and that's all I care about. Some people enjoy having other partners in an open relationship and uh, some people will say, never in my life will I ever do that. Never, never, never. And that would be a deal breaker and a marriage ender. Yeah, it could be and it could be for you. But I want you to consider two people in a monogamous relationship with a sexual compatibility is practically non-existent. And not only is it non-existent, one person, you, said, you're so not interested in sex, you'd rather do something else. And when you're with someone that not only enjoys sex, but wants more of it, not only from you, but with other people, and he's consistently persistent and trying to get you to do things that are very uncomfortable for you, if you finally make that stop, he is going to build resentment. He is going to be unhappy and that will feed into the relationship because someone who is denied what they want will build resentment. And I'm not saying that what he wants is right or moral or within the boundaries of a relationship or the contract of a marriage. I'm not saying that maybe he should have thought of that before he got married because he should have. Because here you are, someone that actually might enjoy sex with someone that wanted to be with you, cared about you, found you attractive, and he may find all those things about you, but he wants more. He wants more than you can offer. And because of that, you will always feel like you're never enough. You will always feel that. So even if he stops the behavior, you'll feel this vibe from him or you'll feel it in yourself like, well, I know that he's probably enjoying this, but I also know that it's not enough and he probably wants more than I can give. So you would be stuck in a relationship where you would always feel like you're not enough. When I think of a romantic relationship, I think of your partner as being more than enough, more than you could ever want, and somebody that you just appreciate and love and want to be around, and no one else is needed. But that's my definition of a relationship, or at least part of it. My definition includes two people that want to be with each other, and those two people are enough. That doesn't mean I'm throwing my values in your direction because some people listening don't have that kind of relationship. Some people are, quote, adventurous. Some people do things that I wouldn't do, and that's perfectly fine. If you have two consenting adults and they agree to that, more power to you. I love it. That's fantastic. Whatever works for you. It doesn't work for me, so if I were in your shoes, the person who wrote, my initial thought would be, would I want to be with someone who always wants more than I can give? I mean, take the word sex out of the equation, even though it's the main part of this, but just take it out and just ask yourself, would I want to be with someone who always wants more than I can give? They're never satisfied with the amount that I am capable or able to give. Never. They always want more. And... They're always making me feel uncomfortable, trying to make me agree to things that I don't want to do. So there's a lot of negatives in here, and I know it sounds like I'm leaning toward getting out of this relationship. I'm not leaning toward anything. I'm just telling you the result of staying in a relationship as a monogamous couple. You don't even have to read between the lines because I already told you there can be the possibility of an open relationship, but from the way it sounds, it sounds like you don't want anything to do with that. If you don't have any desire for more, then you would be more comfortable with someone who is very comfortable in a monogamous relationship. And since he's done behavior in the past where he has cheated on you, I mean, he may not ever do that again, and that's great. If you healed from that and you moved past that, that's perfect. But because of that past, mixed with what he wants from the relationship, it just seems to me that he can't ever get what he wants fully from you. 
which means he won't be happy. And I know I'm focusing on him and his happiness, but I'm doing that not because I'm defending him or on his side or anything like that. I'm doing that because I want to know what you're going to expect going forward. He'll never be happy because he'll never have enough from you. You'll never be happy because you'll never feel like enough and you'll never be able to do what he wants and he's going to have this energy or this vibe of possible resentment or possible disappointment that you feel all the time. So even if you're doing everything you can and you're doing the best you can, he may never be satisfied and it's very, very difficult to be in a relationship with someone who can never be satisfied with what you have to offer. Because yes, you should be enough and you are enough when there's full compatibility. So where does this leave you? Where does this take you? I don't know. I don't know where this leaves you or takes you. All I know is that what you have now, from my perspective, from the story that you told me here, you are basically telling me that you are oil and water. When you pour oil in a cup of water, it separates. And unless you shake it up really well, it will still be separate in bubbles and then eventually separate again. And that's what I see here is that you can be 98% compatible, but the 2% that seems to be prevalent, at least on his mind, but I'm going to say it's on your mind too, because you'll always be thinking about that he wants more. That's going to be enough to keep the relationship possibly disintegrating. Can it work? Yes, it can. Will you ever be comfortable and happy and fully satisfied? I don't think so. I don't think either one of you will be fully satisfied. Can you be in a relationship where you're not fully satisfied? I bet you a good number of people are listening right now that are in relationships that they're not fully satisfied. Should you stay in a relationship where you're not fully satisfied? That's a personal question. I think one thing that needs to happen is that you need to put the hand up to your husband and say, stop asking. Stop making me feel uncomfortable. It's not right. I've already told you no. How many times do I have to say no? That's another issue. You have boundaries and he keeps crossing them. You're uncomfortable. You you said you became sick. It makes you sick. And here he is continuing to push your boundaries. That is abusive. It's abusive behavior. So you have to be really careful in that aspect too. And so maybe you should ask your husband, let's just say that I told you I would never, ever participate with you in any sexual relationship outside the marriage. Let's just say that. Let's just say that I don't want you having sex with anybody outside our marriage and I will never participate in any sexual adventure that you want to have with any other person. Let's just put that on the table. Now we are 100% sure that it's never going to happen. A, are you going to be okay with it? B, will you be happy? Will it be good enough? And C, if you think about being married to me for one year, five years, ten years, and my perspective on this never changes, how will you feel about that? That's what I'm going to leave you with. And it's not a magic pill to make everything all better. It is a reality check about what your relationship really is and if it can survive uh, such an incompatibility. I mean, there are ways to have a relationship that some people would be against, but that's going to be totally up to you on how you move forward because I can picture myself in your situation. If my girlfriend came up to me and said, you know, I've been thinking about you and I, our sexual relationship, and I really want to introduce somebody else into our relationship or more people into our relationship. If she started talking like that, yeah, my stomach would start turning. I'd be thinking, what? What's going on? I thought we had a great, you know, thing going on. But if she said that, I would have to seriously listen to it. And I would have to seriously consider, A, if this is the person I want to be with because now she wants more than I've been ever comfortable thinking about. And B, is this an experience I want to have? 
do I want this experience? This might be something I have to consider. Is this something I want to consider? Will I be comfortable with it? Is this uh, a journey I want to take? And let's just say that I said, no, this is not a journey I want to take. I, I feel very comfortable with our relationship the way it is, but now I know she wants more. Now I know that even though our sex life might be healthy, she wants more than what I want. And because of that, I know that I myself will not be able to satisfy her the way she wants to be satisfied because I am not on the same page. We're not talking the same language anymore because now there's more on the table that will be left on the table, left unsaid, unfinished, and without closure. So it will always feel like an open issue. And because it's an open issue in the relationship, I would have to ask the questions I asked you. I would have to ask her, if I said no, would you be happy? Would you be satisfied with the way things are? And I have a strong feeling she would say no, because for her to bring this up in the first place, that means she's probably not satisfied with the way things are. So I would have to come to the conclusion that there's no way that this can go forward in a way that satisfies us both. And there might have to be a sacrifice. I might have to sacrifice the relationship. And she might say, I love you. I don't want to lose you. And I might say, I don't want to lose you either. But I know that I will never be on board with this. And if it's something that you absolutely need, then I may not be the right person for you. And that sucks because we have a lot of stuff tied up together. We are locked in. We are committed. But hopefully, in my case, we would have such open communication that that would have been talked about a long time ago. And it was, actually. We talked about everything a long time ago. And we both said, no, we want exclusivity. We, we don't want anybody else involved with us. And it was great. We figured that out. And I think that's important to figure out before you make huge commitments. But where you are now, you're married. And like you said, you got married young and you probably had to figure out your own sexual life and your sexual preferences as far as what you appreciate in the bedroom and what you appreciate for a relationship. And he may have always felt that way or he may have thought that he was going to change you or change your mind. But sometimes we learn these things. You know, I don't believe all commitments have to be forever. Even marriage. I don't, I don't believe that all commitments, once you make them, it doesn't mean that you should stick to them when they don't work. And especially if two people could probably be happier with other people. Again, I'm not steering you in that direction. I'm just saying don't lock yourself into a mindset that because you're married, there's no other way to live your life or continue this relationship or make it last or anything like that. Because there might be solutions to this that you hadn't wanted to consider and you may not want to ever consider, but it's up to you inside you to make a decision about what you want in a relationship and stick to it and be very clear about what you want. Because if my girlfriend asked me, what do I want? I would tell her. I want a monogamous relationship with you and I don't want to be with anyone else and I don't want you to be with anyone else. And if she said, well, I'd be okay with that, but I'll never be as satisfied as I want to be, then I would have to think about that really hard because I'm losing something wonderful. But what it really comes down to is what I'm going to be the most comfortable with and what will make us both happy. And sometimes that's staying in the relationship and sometimes it's not. And sometimes it's making concessions to the relationship. You know, those compromises, those sacrifices that keep the relationship going and you find happiness in other ways. I'm being ambiguous on purpose. This is very much a personal journey for you. And I, I did say that commitments don't have to be forever. Sometimes you make commitments based on certain criteria. Sometimes the criteria can change. But these are all definitely personal decisions and... I wish you much strength through this. I know it's hard, but um, I will say this for my final words. 
do not let him continue making you uncomfortable or pushing you in a direction that is clearly against your boundaries and clearly against your values. You have to stop that pretty much right away. But do know once you stop it that he will likely build resentment. He will likely have a lot of things he wants to say and wants to do, but he keeps them hidden and he represses a lot of emotion and when you repress a lot of emotion, you tend to act out in ways that are not healthy. So I'm not putting that on you. I'm just saying that's what you'll expect once you lay the ground rules once and for all. Again, I wish you the best through this. Good luck. Thanks for joining me. And at minimum, always keep an open mind because this is what helps you step into your power and create the life you want. Always take steps to grow and evolve. You are powerful beyond measure. And above all, this is something I absolutely know to be true about you. You are amazing.